Are you looking for practical ministry help to inform and inspire your leadership? Do you have a sinking feeling that your ministry training didn't prepare you for the real world? Hey, you're not alone. Join thousands of other leaders in pursuit of stuff you wish they taught in seminary. Welcome to the Unseminary Podcast, presented by CDF Capital, helping churches grow. Visit them at cdf.capital forward slash unseminary. Well, hey, friends, welcome to the Unseminary Podcast. So glad that you have decided to tune in. You know, every week we try to bring you a leader who will both inspire and equip you. And I know today is going to be no exception to that. I'm super excited to have my friend Joe Boyd with us. We've known each other for a few years and so excited to have him on the podcast. We just were catching up from not having talked for a number of years. So good to have Joe with us. Joe is the lead pastor of one of the fastest growing churches in the country. Uh, it's called Grace Fellowship in the uh, Minnesota part of the world. They have one location, Church Online. It's one of the fastest growing churches. They're doing lots of incredible things in the Twin City metros area. Uh, Welcome to the show, Joe. So glad you're here. Rich, it's great to be back and great to see you and uh, catch up. And I'm looking forward to to sharing some insights that we've had around small groups this year. Fill out the picture for us about Grace Fellowship. Kind of paint the picture a little bit. Tell us a little bit about the church. Give us a, a bit of a flavor of the church. Yeah, um, Grace Fellowship is a church that's 34 years old. Um, it's actually one of the few churches in the country that um, has uh, that it's a church planting church in their bylaws, mm-hmm. and um, mm-hmm. we've started 28 churches in those 34 years. Um, and so there's a long history of uh, reproduction uh, in this church. Mm-hmm. Um, and I'm the second pastor. Uh, so the first pastor was That's here amazing. Uh, over 30 years. And then they had a little over a year interim. And I answered the call uh, to come up from Kansas uh, to the Twin Cities and take over. And uh, man, it's been a wild ride stepping into uh, you know the world turning upside down in the midst of all this. <laughs> So, um, yeah, it's been yeah, a fun what a ride. Time to, what, what a time to start in a church. It's great. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I, I like to think that it's like dog years. So the past three years yes. have been, you know, the longest 21 years of my life. <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So true. That is so true. Love that. Well, we are going to talk about groups. And and I, uh, you had shared a little bit about what was happening at Grace. And I, I frankly, I found it astonishing. It was one of those like lean in like, what, what are you talking about? (laughs) You know, thing, which is pretty incredible, but set the scene for us. Give us a sense of kind of what's the group's culture been like, what have, you know, kind of pre some of the changes you've made as you think about what would that look like? Give us kind of talk us through what that was kind of before, uh, the, in the before times before you had made some changes on that area. Yeah. Uh, coming in, coming into grace fellowship. Um, I was, I've made a shift. I, I, for a long time, I was always focused on church growth and, and I'm a starter, mm-hmm. I'm a catalytic leader. And, mm-hmm. and for the 10 years prior at my previous mm-hmm. church, we would grow, but we'd have this back door. And so mm-hmm. it wasn't until the last three years I was there that we finally started to realize groups are so critical. And so mm-hmm. we, we started to make some changes and the church got way healthy. And, um, mm-hmm. and so when I came in, that was one of my number one questions was how are we doing mm-hmm. on groups? And they, they said, well, you know, we're doing pretty good. And, and I personally mm-hmm. made it a mission in the first, uh, first three months to visit every mm-hmm. one of the small groups. Now, oh, nice. Um, inside of a church that was like 600, 700 mm-hmm. people, um, you, you would think that would take longer. But what I found was that only 23% of the adults in the church 
were participating in small groups. Now, right. what I will say is that the groups I visited were very strong. Uh, yep. there were even groups that had been meeting for 15 or 20 years. Mm-hmm. And, and so I didn't want to turn any dials and mess those up. Um, mm-hmm. but, but what I did find was that they weren't starting new groups. And so, mm-hmm. um, you know, the way we would classify that is we'd say it was a church with small groups, but not a church mm-hmm. of small groups. Mm-hmm. Um, so what, well, what done. began was a commitment that we're going to make this shift and it's not right. going to happen overnight. Um, right. You don't, you don't birth a baby in nine, uh, you know, without nine months and the mm-hmm. bigger the plane, the longer the runway. So yep. we said that we would launch groups in the fall. Um, and that was about nine months out. Mm-hmm. Um, and what we learned was that, um, we needed a, a plan to get there. So yep. uh, we leaned into what Mariner's church had done through mm-hmm. rooted and, yeah, uh, okay. did the rooted experience, which was really good. Uh, a couple of real mm-hmm. practical things. Um, mm-hmm. if you're going to be serious about groups, you've got to make a priority to identify, um, money and people mm-hmm. and time to it. And then we mm-hmm. took our entire staff through rooted before we did it as a church. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah. And yeah, that's cool. That yeah. was really good because then they were mm-hmm. able to speak with confidence that this was good. And, mm-hmm. um, and I had one of my strongest leaders, um, directing this and we started to mm-hmm. add groups and follow the process. And when we mm-hmm. pulled the trigger, the uh, adults and the youth did this in our church. Mm-hmm. And, mm-hmm. um, when we got to the end of it, we had 70% participation uh, in That's the adults. Amazing. We had mm-hmm. 100% participation with the teenagers. Um, and, and, and lives were being changed. We saw people grow, groups form out of this. And, um, and yes. then that led us to um, turning the corner and going into the, the 2020, which none of us yep. saw coming. Yes, yes. <laughs> And and what happened there, Rich, was like everybody. I mean, we got shocked. But right. what I believe was that God was already on the path of of creating the the ark or mm. the lifeboats mm-hmm. uh, for for people. And so what we found was that we weathered the storms um, of isolation much better uh, because the vast majority of our church were in groups. And so mm-hmm. we saw care happen. We saw all those things happen. Now over the past you know, year, year and a half, mm-hmm. what we begin to notice, no matter how many times we'd call, check up on people mm-hmm. that were not plugged in, the vast majority of people who did not stay with the church uh, for mm-hmm. one reason or another uh, were not we're in not. groups. Yeah. And, yeah, totally. and, and, and so, so the groups really became um, the main force of the church, the way we communicated, the way we cared. Um, yeah. And um, it, it was, that was, that was our saving grace. Love it. Let's dive into that a little bit. You know, one of the things I've, I've joked about, and this is a part of why these numbers caught my attention was, you know, it seems like most churches can get a third, you know, maybe 30% between, you know, in that range of people in groups by just having groups. Like, it's like, if you have groups, you can get that many, like it's, and and I don't want to discourage anybody that's listening in, you know, if you're trying hard and that's where you're at, but that, that is 
Uh, that seems to be the the dynamic. The thing that I found fascinating about this story was you were actually lower than that. <laughs> you know, you were lower than the you know what the kind of like benchmark is, and then have seen tremendous growth. Let's pull apart what you did in that in that ramp, that kind of nine months. How did you get it ready? We loved Rooted. We've had actually had Aaron uh, on from Mariners. Uh, that was I don't know maybe two years ago. So we've and we've had many churches talk about how, just how great it's been. But let's let's pull apart what kind of happened in those. Uh, nine months to get ready for that. I understand you went through with your staff, but what are the things could we kind of help leaders to think about as it, you know, if they're looking to try to increase their engagement on the group side in, uh, you know, these months and and years? Well, I would say first and foremost, um, our elders pulled away and we really prayed about the priorities of the church. And that was the one that kept coming through, that we knew we were going to engage our community and serve mm-hmm. our community, but we really knew we wanted to get discipleship and groups down because it 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 fulfills so many functions of the church. It fulfills fellowship, but it also fulfills discipleship, and it mm-hmm. creates this connection and family. Um, Jesus uh, changed the world with a small group. And, yes, yes. and so we, 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 were, we think about that a lot. And mm-hmm. so that was the first thing, having the support, having prayed through that, mm-hmm. through a retreat, mm-hmm. coming back mm-hmm. and being resolved about it. Um, and then what happened was begin to, uh, as lead pastor, begin to drip it before we dropped it. I would sprinkle in and just talk about small groups, small groups, small groups all the time. And, um, and as we were building up to it in Minnesota, the summers are kind of a time when people really get out and go north and uh, go to the cabins and go to lakes. And uh, But we continue to work through that time uh, preparing mm-hmm. for these moments where we were going to, we were building the team uh, that was praying. So simultaneously, we had the, the staff going through it as quickly mm-hmm. as we could to have the experience, all experiences. Um, mm-hmm. And we processed that, what was good, what, what, you know, what did we learn? Mm-hmm. And, and then we began to roll it out to our leaders. Um, and we were building this culture uh, by reimagining small groups, by modeling it, and then challenging mm-hmm. our leaders to carry it out. And, um, and we had a plan. We devoted significant amounts of uh, resources. Um, mm-hmm. When we were at 23%, we weren't really spending very much money on um, right. groups. And mm-hmm. um, we weren't spending a lot of time on groups. We weren't preaching mm-hmm. and teaching about it. And we definitely didn't mm-hmm. have a full-time designated person to it. Um, mm-hmm. Once we did that, that's when everything started to move forward. Right. Um, right. The um, The other thing we did was we, we built up to a campaign. We did not compete mm-hmm. against this time. Um, and, and as a, as a catalytic evangelistic outreach oriented pastor, Mm -hmm. right. You Mm -hmm. know me, that's true. Yes. Yes. Um, it took everything out of me because when you launch a 10 week series in the fall, which is a prime time for growth potentially, um, Mm. I thought, well, we're going to just do this, but this was what we were doing. And, (laughs) and so we weren't really growing. Right. All the way up through Thanksgiving, we didn't really grow. But what I saw was the consistency of people coming and engaging. And another thing we noticed was that Mm -hmm. people quit saying your church and started calling it their church. Oh, that's great. That's great. I love that. as, As we saw people engage, they took ownership for the church. We had the funniest story that I heard in this whole thing was that, um, one of the group leaders, um, was invited by a woman to come to the church 10 years prior. 
Mm-hmm. She was about to start rooted and ran across mm-hmm. that person who didn't go to the church anymore, invited right. that woman who originally invited her to the church back to the church. Oh, she gosh, got into goodness. the groups. And here's the best part. She started taking spiritual steps and that lady got baptized. Um, wow. It was, it was just crazy. <laughs> I love it. So, so, so we got really sa- stable and people yes. took ownership of the church and um, we celebrated it. And I'm not good yep. at that. I, I'm sure. always on to the next thing, but we Let's celebrated next thing, yeah. it. And that was a critical moment. And uh, then we set up, hey, here's what's next. And we went through Christmas and we started in mm-hmm. January. And that's when our church really started to explode because mm-hmm. people were confident that if they brought their friends, their friends would have the experiences they were having. And, yeah. and so, so making it a priority to get groups right actually mm-hmm. gave us a foundation to grow and not have mm-hmm. that constant turnover. So those were yeah, just I love this. I love it. You know, let's talk about the series piece of it because, you know, this is one of those um, things that we hear with regularity as we talk with churches that are not only, um, you know, seeing higher levels of engagement on the group side, but are growing as a church, that they're dedicating time in the fall and in the winter um, for, you know, kind of a, a, an all church campaign. Um, you know, it could be rooted. It could be, you know, there's a lot of these out there, the red letter challenge. There's a lot of ways to do this, but it's the idea of like, let's all focus for a certain amount of weeks on a kind of a single idea. We're going to give you some resources. We're going to encourage you to get into a group. Um, what would be some of the, the kind of outcomes from that? You did that that first year. Have you continued to do that? Why or why not? Let's talk through that series a little bit. Yeah, we did. Um, we uh, the following year we did uh, another series. We didn't go ten weeks. We went seven, um, yep. and we wrote it. We wrote our own, but we modeled the rooted method, and yep. and so we wrote uh, what's a Galatian and went through the book of Galatians <laughs> as a church. Oh, that's fun. And then um, and and then we've also uh, this year we did history makers, which takes us through the first seven chapters of Acts. Um, so mm-hmm. we've made it a commitment a rhythm mm-hmm. for us that when we come back in the fall, we're going to to start off in the fall and go to the end of October, uh, maybe the start of November and really get a group's push um, yes. that is all church focused and very in the Bible book mm-hmm. heavy. Um, mm-hmm. We also did a push this past year in February and March on relationships. Mm -hmm. Um, I wrote a Mm -hmm. book that was in house in our church called the secret Mm -hmm. sauce of relationships. And we did Mm -hmm. the same thing there. And we were seeing a boost in groups at that time, because Mm -hmm. coming out of 2020, people were so isolated that they were desperate for relationships. And Mm -hmm. we were trying to create a habit of groups. Um, because you know, when people don't go to church, um, when they miss church, they begin to not miss church. And so they get out of habit Mm, and out of routine. So (laughs) we were trying to create a reason to uh, build on those groups. And we added a few groups. Uh, Mm -hmm. It wasn't a lot, but we added a few and we were building Mm -hmm. up steam. And so when we did History Maker, um, Mm -hmm. which included video of the original people that started the church uh, in in conjunction with Acts and the story of Acts, Mm Um, we made a jump and we didn't even realize we made it um, until October, the end of October, because we measure all of October and we measure all of February for groups participation. And those yep. are the two times we measure. And we jumped from 70% to 
to 93%. That's unreal, um, dude. That's and, crazy. And, and that's in a year where we grew over 50% from the year before in adults. Yeah, it's unreal. Yeah, it's rich. I'm telling you, this is so not like it's, it's not, yeah, it's crazy. There wasn't a really smart person that came. Well, there was God, Jesus Christ yes. <laughs> came up yes. with this plan. Well, and friends, I know, listen, I, I just want to underline this. Um, you know, Joe's leading one of the fastest growing churches in the country. It would be really easy for you to say, well, it's easy to grow from 20 to, you know, 90% in groups by, by shrinking the church, just to have less people attend and then you'll have, but that's not what's happening. You're seeing both increased engagement in groups and growth, uh, you know, from a kind of top line or weekend service point of view, uh, which is, which is amazing. That's incredible. Uh, to see that's that's amazing. Praise God! And like you say, that that you know, a big part of this is you know he's moving in his people, which is incredible. But that's amazing. I love that, Joe. Yeah, and and um, you know, the interesting thing about um about about our church is that yeah. um, th- this church God is really doing something. I, I would say in a lot of ways, mm-hmm. there's um a lot of tradition, a lot of history mm-hmm. in this church of doing it. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. Uh, you know, the way we always did it, and um. And our elders and our staff and key leaders in the church have really been leaning in to what the Holy Spirit's doing. Yeah, and that's cool. What we're Love hearing, I, and I'll tell you, we, we we quit we quit chasing cool. Like I was the mm. guy, and I, I mm. <laughs> there's a lot of leaders and a lot of mm-hmm. pastors out there that I don't know if you were like me, but um, I didn't really know what to do, so I'd look to see what the the, the hot churches were doing, sure. reaching people, and yeah. and I like work for them. Let's do that, and. Mm-hmm. And and a lot of my early leadership was very um, I was more of an echo than a voice, mm. Um, mm. and um, we started to really spend time listening to people and getting comfortable with where God placed us and who we are. And I quit being a lone ranger leader that was driving fast and going by myself, and I mm. slowed down because I, I believe mm-hmm. that if you want to go fast, go by yourself, but if you want to go far, go with others. And right. so Love by that. slowing down and going with the team and, and, mm-hmm. and seeing the gifts and the talents and letting the team help d- come up with the plan on how you do this, uh, mm-hmm. the buy-in was so much greater. And it seems, listen, to every Cadillac leader, you're going to think I'm crazy when I say this, but <laughs> slowing down and getting your team together is, even if it feels like it's slow, and for me, there were painful moments where I was like, seriously, like this doesn't feel fast enough. Um, right. It, it was the best decision we ever made. Love it was it. the best decision we ever made. So uh, can I ask you a question from, you know, as a, I'm not a lead pastor, I've been in that kind of second seat. That's where I've spent most of my time. And there seems to be a lot of lead pastor types out there um, who, and I'm sure it's not any of them that are listening into this podcast, but who seem to pay lip service to groups. They're like, no, no, no. Groups are really important. Like they're really, really important. But then it, it just doesn't translate in either their own actions, like you saying, hey, I'm going to go and you know visit all our groups, or it doesn't translate in the way they prioritize their time, or they don't see, um, you know, they're not pr- kind of structuring things around the church to, to um, you know, to really help and aid the, the group's thing. Why do you think that is? And what would you say to a lead pastor who's maybe a little bit skeptical or just isn't really into the, the groups thing, what would you say to them? 
I would say this. I've studied, I had I had the privilege of studying some of the fastest growing, healthiest churches in the country before I started mm-hmm. uh, my last church. And mm-hmm. if you look at what gets attention, mm-hmm. um, you think that that's the solution. So right. largely content is, is pushed out like crazy. If you want to hear right. great preaching, listen, the reason why American churches shifted so much was because everybody realized, oh, there's great preaching on other churches in the internet and I'm home anyway. So right. I'm going to watch these right. A1 communicators. Um, right. And I think that a lot of pastors think, oh, the reason their church is big because of what they preach about and the way that mm-hmm. they preach or that they're creative or I have to dress a certain way or I have to have a, a vibe. I mean, it's mm-hmm. it's like buying a car by evaluating the mm-hmm. way it looks on the outside. Great paint job, mm-hmm. super oh, that's cool good. look. That's good. But, but here's the thing. Very little time gets focused on the mechanics work where you lift the hood up, you check the engine, does it even have an engine? Um, <laughs> you know, how does that work? And right. and I would say that churches that are growing and, and pastors, I, I, I promise you, there are people watching this right now that you're better mm-hmm. preachers than some of the two and 3000 person church pastors that you've seen mm-hmm. online. And you mm-hmm. scratch your head and you go, why, why is this? Well, it's Mm -hmm. largely because there's a leadership structure in place that is Mm -hmm. focused on retaining and developing leaders. Mm -hmm. And, and, and here's the, here's the thing I came away with in Isaiah 49, Mm -hmm. there's this place where, um, it says that, that God hid me in the shadow of his hand. Mm -hmm. And the thought that I had was that, uh, or the question I asked myself was, am I more, Am I more concerned with being discovered or am I more concerned with being developed? Mm, and, oh, that's good. And, and and I really think that if you want to see healthy things, think about this. Jesus drew crowds, but he sent them away. Mm. When mm. he had crowds, he sat them in groups and had his disciples lead and care for them. Um, Jesus spent an enormous amount of time on groups. Forming groups, identifying and raising up leaders is very hard work. It often mm-hmm. happens behind the scenes. Um, yeah. It is not quick. It is not easy. We've all preached mm-hmm. these great messages that cast vision and direction, but there wasn't a structure for it. And so yep. it just fades away. And so yep. you have to lay the train tracks to run mm-hmm. the train. And mm-hmm. I believe that groups and I believe leadership development in the church are those train tracks. And um, I just wasted enormous amounts of time preaching really cool stuff that didn't have train tracks. Yeah, yeah, totally. That's what I would say. I think it's a lack of knowledge um, of just knowing how that part works. And, um, And it's a lot of work. Yeah, that's true. I love that, Joe. And I, you know, I think there is a real, I think you've, you've really echoed and hit on an important point there where, you know, a lot of times we are, we're appeal, we are, you know, we get drawn in by fast growing churches and like what's going on there. And, and we miss the substrate underneath there of all this groups and relational stuff that's holding it up that if that's not there, it, those churches don't sustain over the extent over, you might get a pop of growth, but it won't, you won't continue to see that. All right. It's very cool. So you've, I love, we didn't really even get into the pandemic. Obviously people were, you kind of hinted towards this during that season, um, you know, where you're in lockdown and all that, the groups provided the primary care engine and all of that. And then we've now see this huge bump, you know, you're 
nine out of 10 people attending groups. That's incredible. When you look to the future, kind of peer up over the horizon a little bit, what do you think is next on the groups front for you guys? How are you, you know, what, what, what questions are you still wrestling with? Are you still thinking through um, what, our, as you're thinking about how you continue to keep people plugged into groups? What are the, you know, kind of what are you thinking about in the future when you think on this, this groups issue for your church? Yeah, as we think about our time, resource, and, and staffing allocations on this, mm-hmm. um, out of out of all the things in our church that will probably scale up, it's going to be mm-hmm. groups and group pastors. Um, and, mm-hmm. and here's what I mean: we we have a worship experience. Okay, so we're only mm-hmm. going to have so many people on stage preaching. Mm-hmm. Uh, we're going to have so many people leading on worship. Those services are going to, um, you know, the the number of people that can participate is not as dependent on the number of people that we hire on staff to lead or invest the time. Mm. Um, but that's not true in groups In groups. Mm. There's a point where you, you have to care. So if you go back to the Jethro principle in Exodus, you know, that, mm. you know, some can lead at tens and hundreds and fifties. And, and so we know that we need to continue to scale and identify uh, additional leaders that can lead mm. groups so that we mm. can continue to add to those numbers um, okay. so that they're supported. Um, because if we, if we think, oh, and I used to think this too, like I was a groups pastor and I thought mm-hmm. you just need one groups pastor and you develop people underneath. But the problem is we're living in a very transient culture mm-hmm. right now and yeah. people are moving and shifting and, and you need relational stability in your leadership. Mm-hmm. And so mm-hmm. we're looking to develop those leaders. We're continuing to develop care leaders underneath that care for, you know, Eight, five to eight uh, small group leaders uh, at a time. We're mm-hmm. trying to strengthen that part of the body as much as we mm-hmm. possibly can. Um, mm-hmm. And 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 so when you see that succeed, you need to lean into it more uh, because right. you need more leaders in that group's ministry uh, than just about anywhere in your church. Uh, mm-hmm. If you're going to make the shift of being a church of small groups and yeah, um, where you continue to grow. And, um, and so that's it for us. We're praying through that and we're just mm-hmm. like everybody else. We're, we're facing the realities of our economy and, um, mm-hmm. you know, giving may not be as strong as it was before, but we have to lean in on the most important discipleship, uh, aspects of our church, uh, because mm-hmm. that's, what's going to lead to the, the, the success and health of our church moving forward. Yeah, love it. So good. Um, we didn't really talk about this ahead of time, but uh, you know, I know a part of the passion for why you went to the church that you're at is its desire to plant more churches. You've mentioned this, it's a really a replicating church. It's a, that's like a whole other conversation we could have around how do we continue to be that as a church and what does that look like for the future? How do these two things fit together as you think about kind of replication in the future, as you think about planting more churches, um, how does the kind of what's happened there, the story that God's writing on the group side, how do you see those all fitting together as you, as you look to the future? Well, I, I think, um, I think one thing is really true. You reproduce who you are. I mean, look yep. at your kids, right? I mean, they, mm-hmm. they've got, there's, there's uniqueness to them and there's gifting to mm-hmm. them, but largely your values and mm-hmm. the life experiences they learn get reproduced because Growing up, I always said, well, I'll never do that when I grow up. And then you find yourself Mm. in that situation and you do (laughs) what you experienced growing up. Um, So I think the same thing's true about the churches that you reproduce. Um, And and looking back, I was in a church that helped start 10 churches in 10 years. And Mm. some of them were different and some went different paths, but largely they followed the model that we had. And unfortunately, 
for the first six or seven years, we really didn't have this group health thing as a priority. Mm. And mm. the early churches suffered for that because they right. were preaching the way we preached and doing what we do and think, oh, it'll work for us. And 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 mm-hmm. and I just didn't know enough. Um, mm-hmm. Here, when I came in, the focus was we are going to get as healthy as we can because if people follow us, we we want to at least say, hey, we, this is real. It's biblical. Mm-hmm. It's stable. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. You know, a lot of times we get hung up on the fast growth, but compound growth mm-hmm. that's slower that's over time. I, like the difference between the fast growing churches and the largest churches in America um, largely has a lot to do with time. And, mm-hmm. and a lot of people mm-hmm. don't even realize that if you had 10% growth over 15 mm-hmm. years or 20 years, your church could potentially be one of the largest churches in America. Absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. Um, yep. And we sure. miss that. And way better um, to manage, way easier to manage that growth. Yeah. Way and it doesn't easier. freak people out because yes, people yep. hear, oh, you're fast growing. They think you care about numbers and not people. And that's not the yes. heart of pastors yep. because no. I know a lot of the, the pastors that are fast growing church leaders, mm-hmm. but but it's a perception we deal with. And, yep, uh, and, yep. and, and so, but you're right. You can build something a little slower and, and make it healthy. But the, the, to answer your question about multiplication, um, we have a vision to help start a hundred churches that multiply by 10 each. And yep. we're focused on mid-sized cities in America. Um, mm-hmm. And right now the pandemic has created a shift from the large urban centers back to the, mm-hmm. the, the mid-sized cities. And mm-hmm. what I would say is that Jesus was born in a small town. He mm-hmm. um, he did most of his ministry in Galilee, mid-size. And mm-hmm. then ultimately he was in Jerusalem, which was their largest Jewish center. Um, mm-hmm. But mid-sized cities, in my opinion, are small enough to change, but big enough to matter. Because right. the small right. towns mimic mid-size and the large cities replicate or multiply what happens in mm-hmm. mid-sized cities. And so mm, over good. the next... 30 to 40 years, we want to invest in starting churches there and that and that niche because mm-hmm. we believe there's going to be this move from small town to midsize to the urban centers. And this is going to be the sending church. And so we've got a 10X church network we're working on. Um, mm-hmm. Exponential's been looking at it and, and, and mm-hmm. giving thumbs up on it. And New mm-hmm. Thing is thumbs up and said, yeah. And so uh, we're seeing... Uh, <laughs> And converge in my denomination, they're they're leaning yep. into this, and so um, mm-hmm. that's that's a passion. But but for me, I believe we want groups to be the driving force yeah. uh, around that, that health and stability. Yeah, I love that, and I, I love that. We'll have to have you on at another point and talk about the you know the 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 multiplication vision there, and and I just think that's so great and so good. I you know I know one of the things I've wondered you know and have seen that unfortunately you know there was like a pause there on so many of these multiplication efforts for a good year or eighteen months of you know churches they just stopped thinking about those things because they were everybody was freaked out about you know, you know, their own thing. Now that seems to be turning. It seems like, okay, now we're back to planting churches. We're seeing new churches open. We're seeing people back into campus expansion that we're doing it before. But um, I know that's your heart as well to see like, Hey, we want to, we want to continue to encourage that. Joe, this has been a great conversation. Anything else you want to share just as we wrap up today's episode? Um, I would just say to anybody who's listening to this, um, if you're, if you're a leader of a church, uh, or you have any influence on the discipleship of the church, um, really, really focus in on groups. Um, I, I didn't for a long time. 
and I, I think that was pride blinding me or ignorance blinding me. And, um, and, um, I just can't stress enough that really take a deep dive and really ask mm-hmm. God what he'd like to do in and through mm-hmm. groups or discipleship in your church and then do what God tells mm-hmm. you to do. Um, because that, that could be a big game changer. Love it. So good, Joe. Appreciate this. I'd love to point more people in your direction. If people want to track along with your church and follow along, where do we want to send them online to do that? Yeah, if um, if you want to find what we're doing, um, our website's easy. It's findgrace.com because that's what we want. We want everyone to experience grace. Mm-hmm. Um, and um, on social media, you can find all our social media links uh, there. Some of our social is from previous Grace Fellowship MN. Uh, so mm-hmm. it's a little bit easier to go to findgrace.com first and then, and then track us from there. there. Um Good. Yeah. And you can find staff uh, and contact them if you have questions about what we're doing. We're a team effort. We've got great people that can, uh, that are here to help. Love it, Joe. Thanks so much for being on the show. Really appreciate you and cheering for you and your ministry. Thanks for tuning in to the Unseminary Podcast. Drop by unseminary.com for more helpful resources for you and your team. There you will find articles, online courses, and so much more. Unseminary, stuff you wish they taught in seminary. Presented by CDF Capital. Visit them at cdf.capital forward slash unseminary.